Thank you, Wiley. Thank you very much, man. That was quite an introduction. Hey, I'll take that. Thank you. I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I'll take it. It is a pleasure to be here. Pastor Wally, Val, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, Teen Challenge, thanks for turning up. I was, uh, <laughs> looks like you got a little love here. For some of you, that's a little different than what you were experiencing a few months ago, huh? Not so much love from the enemy of your soul. I'm actually a graduate of Teen Challenge 20 years ago in Minnesota, so... Awesome, thank you. I also realize that uh, Sundays are the best days to eat because you get the pot blessings at the churches that you go to. Am I right? Everybody turn with me, if you would, to your Bibles. Psalms 33 and verse 12. I was pondering this verse because yesterday I was asked the question, you know, what you do, Jake, is political. Do you ever feel like you really need to do spiritual work? And, and I get what he's saying, because whenever you mention the word constitution or law or government, that's typically what we think. Um, but I reverted back to the verse where it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? Law and order is the foundation of which any society is based on. Ethics and morality come from law. The question is, not if law and government is political or not, the question is, is whose ethics or morality will we follow in our law? And this is a verse that many of our founding fathers used, the ones that you just turned to today, or just turned to now, Psalm 33:12. It says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's read this next portion together. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now that's everybody in this room. But a long time ago, when none of us were alive yet, there was a group of people that felt called and compelled by God to come and begin a new nation whose foundations were of God. America was intended to be a city set on a hill that the rest of the world could see and glorify the God of Israel. That's what we have in America. So I consider what I'm doing a very spiritual thing. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. For the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host, an army. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength or a political party. God is not a Republican. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And when I say our, do you know who I'm referring to? Absolutely. The body of Christ all over the world, but also this country. Because we made a covenant with the holy God of Israel when we established the foundations of this nation. Now, 
We, like all men, have parted our ways from that multiple times throughout the centuries. Nobody is perfect. The Constitution is not perfect. Our founding fathers were not perfect. God is perfect. And the principles and the suppositions that we based our philosophy of law and government on is God's Word. And we're going to discuss that today. So I do feel that this is a very spiritual thing. We're at a crux right now in our country, as we are all the time. We're going to be here tomorrow. We were there yesterday. Where we need to make a choice. If we are going to be, like the psalmist says, the nation whose God is the Lord. That is our mission. At Institute on the Constitution, we do that. I only have three hours, so you might want to take care of writing down the Facebook, the Twitter, and the YouTube. I do videos every week, actually. They're three-minute videos, and I take what's in the headlines, and I apply the biblical constitutional view to it. So I help articulate what's the, you know, the madness that's going on in our culture and our society, and what does God have to say about it, and what does our foundation say about it? This is uh, our staff. Our founder ran for president in 2004. When he was running for president, I had just come out of Teen Challenge in 1997 and uh, started a ministry going through um, the country, went into high schools, and I told kids about my testimony, right? How Jesus changed my life. I'm no longer sex, drugs, and partying. That wasn't my lifestyle. That wasn't my gig anymore. And uh, you should have Christ come into your life. It was a real simple message for me. So that you don't destroy your lives like I did, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? I had no idea about separation of church and state. I just thought the Christians were nerds and that's why nobody talked about it in school because, you know, it was kind of a cheesy, dorky thing. But as I started to proclaim my testimony throughout the country, I started getting in a lot of trouble. As a matter of fact, I got in more trouble than I got from my probation officer when I broke probation. And I thought, what in the world is going on? I'm on the good side now. You should have seen me before then. Well, you can't talk about Jesus in public. What? Why not? He's the good guy, right? Oh, no, you can't talk about religion. There's a separation of... And we're going to talk about that today and what it really means. Well, I'm a counterculture kid. The more you told me not to do something, the more I wanted to what? That's right. So they tell me I can't talk about Jesus. Now, guess what? That's right. So I went to study our foundations and I realized that we are a Christian nation based on the Bible. And by me presenting the Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. And that separation of church and state is misinformation. It's a deception used to silence Christians. And so as I did that, I started realizing, man, our Constitution is a pretty great document. Our founding fathers were pretty smart guys. And Michael Perutko, when he ran for president, he had a course called Institute on the Constitution. This is a course I'll reference today. It's uh, available at the back table here in the back. I'd love to see this course taught in your church. It's 20-minute videos. That's all it is. It's like a truth project, except it's all about the foundations of America. If we don't know where we've come from, we're certainly not going to know where we're going. And this course does a great job with that. Um, I'm the current president. We have a first-generation American who's our vice president, Massalino Campos III. We have a pastor that's on staff, Pastor David Whitney, and we have our dean of instructors, Ricky Pepin. She's a former FBI. Um, she worked with the FBI, and she teaches and instructs people all over the country in our curriculum. Before I always get started, I like to do an intelligence test because I want to make sure that everybody's thinking, okay? So I'm going to walk in between the aisles and randomly pick on somebody. So can you tell me how many of each animal Moses brought on the ark? It wasn't Moses, it was Noah. All right. Spoiler alert. You're supposed to get it wrong. It's a lot more fun. Okay, she got it. It wasn't Moses, it was Noah. Is it possible, sir, to end a sentence with the word the? The. The. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The. 
Can I end a sentence with the word the? Yeah. Yes, sir. Is it? The very sentence is an example of it. That's right. Wow, I'm 0 for 2. Normally people are getting things wrong by now. Yes, the sentence I used is actually... Okay, what is the name of the raised print, ma'am, that deaf people use? The raised print? Braille. Braille? That's blind people. What do deaf people use? <laughs> Don't be sorry. Thank you. I needed somebody to get one wrong. By the way, you did a beautiful job on stage. Thank you. I know, I'm throwing you off here. Is it proper to say egg yolks is white or egg yolks are white? Egg yolks are white? No, they're yellow. It's not proper to say either. <laughs> Sir, you look like a, uh, a good speller. Spell the word shop for me. Shop? Yeah, it's on the board if you need help. One more time. What do you do to green light you? Go. She said stop. He said go. You don't want to follow her out of the parking lot. At the green light, we're going to have problems there. All right, is everybody thinking now? Awesome. It's important when we talk about this stuff that we all got our thinking caps on. These are my four children. They're beautiful. They're lovely. Let's read the bottom sentence up here, okay? Because this is why the Founding Fathers gave us the Constitution. They wrote it in the preamble. They said they wanted this liberty maintained through rule of law. And our Constitution was written for this reason. Let's read it together. To secure... So that's my children. They want a trophy at a parade for reciting the amendments in the Bill of Rights. Now, my children are extremely smart. As a matter of fact, they're brilliant. They're homeschooled. And um, my son gave an uh, answer in his confirmation class, and the little girl sitting next to the pastor said, Pastor, how did he get so smart? So the pastor pointed to me in the back of the room, and he said, Do you see that man back there? His wife. <laughs> so... My wife was not able to come with me today, but she did create a video, and I want to just show you this video. Because after I became an evangelical Christian, I didn't talk much about the topic that we're going to discuss today. And the reason I didn't is because I thought that that was all secular nonsense, right? It wasn't spiritual, as the gentleman asked me yesterday. And um, so I didn't even vote. So at first I was a, a, a problem, uh, you know, kid party and stuff like that. I was a kid you look at and say, that's why America's going to hell in a handbasket. He can't even pull up his pants. He doesn't wear his baseball cap correctly, right? And then I became a Christian, but then I became a Christian and I just, I just divested myself from any civic duty to be salt and light in the culture. I just wanted to win people to Jesus, and that's important. But I also was derelict of another duty that God gave to us, and that's called self-government. And it's representative government. Our government is only as bad as we allow it because technically in this country, we are the government. And Moses and the prophets had a strong issue with the people of Israel when they divested themselves of their civic responsibility and they let the kings do whatever they wanted. They were a Christian nation. Now Paul, that was a different story. Jesus was under Roman rule. It's an entirely different paradigm. In America, we have the blessing of self-government. That's an important thing to uphold. So... After I took this course of study that we're going to talk about today, it's when my eyes were open and I started getting involved. Now, I am an ordained minister. I'm very active in our church. I was just witnessing to a young man on the plane who thought that you go to purgatory to get your sins burnt off of you and then you go to heaven. So I'm constantly engaging in discussions and witnessing and has, handing out gospel tracts. But this is very important. I believe this is the tip of the spear because this is our defense, our First Amendment defense as Christians in this nation and our children. So my wife is going to share with you this short video and then we're going to get rolling. 
Hi, I'm Heather McCauley, Jake's wife. As Jake explained to you, we were evangelical Christians in our 20s, and when we came across Institute on the Constitution and became aware of our godly heritage and the rights that we have been given, we wanted to pass that on to our children. So we've made that our personal conviction to teach them to go through the course. Our oldest two sons have graduated the course. They're learning the amendments, the Bill of Rights, the preamble to the Constitution, and the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. And we felt really convicted that this is our duty before God to do. And you know, we all, we can fight and we can legislate and we can get right laws in and elect good people now. But if we fail to teach our children and our grandchildren, all is for nothing. We're going to lose everything that we have done. And so I would encourage you as a grandparent, as a father or mother, when you have your kids or grandkids come over, that you would teach them this course. Take the course. Sit down with them. Go through the amendments. Go through the fact that these kids have God-given rights, that they need to know them. They need to be aware of our Constitution and how our government is founded so they can be educated and we can maintain the liberties that we are fighting for. You educating your children is the most important thing, and I would really encourage you to take the course and teach it to them. Thank you so much. God gave us his law to protect our rights. We are one nation under God. I am urge God, you shall have no other gods before me. Our founders had a king who was taking away our God-given rights, and they had to remind that king that he was not God. So they declared independence, stating, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that we are endowed by a creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. After this declaration, we needed a government system that would protect our God-given rights. So we, the people of the United, the United States, States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure these blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Our ability to worship the God that gave us our rights was top priority. So Congress shall make, make no, no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. How are the people to protect their God-given rights in the case that government is not willing or able? A well-regulated militia? Being necessary to the peace, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We have many testimonies from parents and grandparents about our courses. One grandmother in particular took our course and then proceeded to teach it to her grandson, who then went to school, and the teacher gave them a history quiz. And one of the questions on the test was, what form of government is America? And it gave three choices, a mobocracy, a dictatorship, or a democracy. And the grandson said to the teacher, ma'am, you don't have the right answer on here. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, according to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, we have been given a republic as a form of government. And she said, 
where did you learn that? And he said, my grandma taught me. And that teacher invited that grandmother to come in and teach the Constitution to the rest of the class in the correct perspective through the American view that our founders gave us. And that can happen with you. And if you take those courses and you teach them, it will spread. And we would highly encourage you to do so. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. From my family to yours, thank you for listening. And we hope that you guys will teach your children the Constitution and their God-given rights. <laughs> That's my favorite part is the outtakes. Did you guys like that? I told you my kids were brilliant. Um, if everybody could turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. It's real easy to find. It's on the first page. Just keep your finger there. And once we find that, if you would just humor me and take a look up at the screen here. This is the Fifth Amendment to the Bill of Rights. And I want us to read it together. It says, No person... The first and most fundamental right that we have as created beings of God is life. Because if you're dead, who cares how much property you have, right? Who cares how much liberty and ability to pursue happiness? Life is the most important. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Our founding fathers used this scripture verse, verse to give us, I call it the LLP, life, liberty, property concept. God created man with the right to life, didn't he? Right here, in the book of Genesis. Secondly, God blessed them, in verse 28, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God gave man the right to liberty. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Go into all the earth. Man has liberty. Lastly, he said, Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave us the right to property, private property ownership. Now, we are to be good stewards, and there is laws regulating these things, but all of us have the fundamental right of LLP. When I say LLP and I point at you, and you repeat back to me, life, liberty, property. Ready? LLP. Life, liberty, property. Exactly. They come from God. This is the scripture reference to back that up. Now, how many of you believe we're born equal? And that sounds great, doesn't it? But it's a very deceptive play on words. Matter of fact, we're going to find where we're wrong by reading the Declaration of Independence. Let's read it together. We hold these truths... Stop. Are they born equal? No. Because if we're born equal, we have to wait till we're born to have the right to LLP. That's right. And isn't that dangerous? Because then if you're a child in the womb, you don't have the right to LLP. And that is not what the Founding Fathers intended. It's not what American law says. Abortion is illegal in this country, according to these two documents. It's illegal. 
But why do people commit abortions? What branch of government told us that that's okay? Supreme Court, thank you. Now, the Supreme Court has no legislative authority. They don't make any laws. The first sentence of the Constitution says all legislative authority is in a Congress. Now, this is where it gets important. Let's just say that the Supreme Court says it's legal. Let's say that Congress says it's legal, even though they never have. That's why it's still illegal, even according to statutory law in America. But let's just say that I'm a politician. I want to give you a new right, okay? I want to give you the right to fly. Can I do that? Like Superman, I want you to have that right. You deserve it. To fly. Can I give you that right? I'm a congressman. Let's say I convince all of Congress. And the president agrees and he signs it into law. We need to have the right to fly. And the Supreme Court says, hey, we're evolving, you know, and everybody listens to us anyway, so you have the right to fly. And they slam the gavel. Why can't you have the right to fly? Because a right is only something you have the freedom to exercise. You do not have the freedom to break the what? That's right. What is the law preventing us from flying? Gravity. So I do this to little kids in schools. I say, hey, well, listen, the brightest, most brilliant, intelligent minds in America, you know, Congress, they said you could fly. And the president, the most powerful man in the world, said you could fly. And the Supreme Court, the most brilliant lawyers, attorneys, jurists in the world, said you could fly. And the little girl says to me, then you try it. <laughs> I mean, imagine, tomorrow morning, they said it's legal. We get on top of the building, we jump off. Are we going to fly? We will for about a second, but then we will face the ramifications of breaking what? The law. Because freedom is only found within the law. If you're outside of the law, you become an outlaw. You all have heard of the term. This is how our founding fathers determined what law was. They looked to the laws of nature and nature's God. Natural laws, scientific laws that we can discover or deduct through our reason and our intellect, but also through the law of nature's God. Who is nature's God? He is the God above all other gods. It's the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our founders acknowledged that when they signed the Constitution in the year of our Lord. They all acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord. The God of the Bible. So if it's against the God of the Bible or the law of nature, I'm not sure what just happened there. Did I lose my screen? Oh, okay. I just lost it on the monitor. You don't have the right to do wrong, do you? No matter what president says, no matter what Congress says, no matter what... Ah, this thing's just having a tough time reaching. Can you advance it to the next slide for me? Please? Or is everything going kind of wacky? There we go. So, we need to have an American view of law and government, okay? When I say American, again, I'm not exalting America. I'm just showing that America has made our God the Lord. This is the American view of law and government. Anybody who serves in office, they ought to be able to have this philosophy. If they don't, they have no business serving as God's minister, Romans 13, in seats of power. They need to, number one, believe that there is a God. Can we say that together? And number two, our rights come from Him. Number three, the purpose of civil government is to secure God-given rights. Contrary to many people's beliefs, it's not to give you anything. That's the church's job. Civil government is just to protect your God-given rights. That's all. That's what makes you American. 
It's not a birth certificate, a social security number, or any of that stuff. Our founders didn't have any of those things. It was a philosophy that differentiated us from the rest of the world and still does today because we believe there is an almighty God. We believe that our rights come from Him. And we believe that government is God's minister. Now, sometimes I catch a lot of heat because people say, well, you're too evangelical. You can't jive like that in a political realm. Because I dance in and out of those realms from time to time because I have to remind them that they are not God, that government is not God, and that uh, the Declaration of Independence tells us this. This philosophy is written in our founding documents. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. If we're created, there is a creator, God. We just read it, Genesis 1, chapter 27. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Our rights come from God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He gave those. We read that in Genesis 1:28. And that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So why did God give us government? Because he loves us. And he wants us to have the right to life. And so he created law to protect those rights. And he said, you have the right to life, therefore thou shall not. You have the right to property, thou shall not. Children have the right to two parents, a father and a mother. And he said, thou shall not commit adultery. Don't break that covenant. God only created law because he loved. And what was he loving? Us. Because he gave us certain things he wanted them protected. And he needed a function or a body or a minister to protect us. And that minister is government. Oh, there we go. The Mayflower Compact. Has anybody heard of this document? Yes. Remember when I said they came to America to establish a Christian nation? They did, and they wrote it down. This is the first constitution that we'll find in America. At the very end, it tells us why they came. Having undertaken for the glory of God, they did not need religious freedom. They already had it in Holland. And we all know about Holland around here, right? <laughs> so they didn't come here for religious freedom. Get that out of your minds. They came here because they wanted a Christian nation. They wanted to glorify God and advance the Muslim faith, right? No. Because in countries run by the Muslim faith, you don't have the right to life if you're Christian. You don't have the right to liberty if you espouse any different beliefs. But guess what? A Muslim can come to a Christian nation and have the right to life, liberty, property, right? An atheist has the right to life, liberty, property because we believe all men are created in God's image and therefore they have the dignity and respect that we owe them so long as they live by the law. Exactly. Plain and simple. And that law comes from God, the laws of nature and nature's God. And if you don't like that, find another country. There's plenty of countries out there that'll take you that don't believe the way that we do but we don't change our foundations to appease others. The very evidence that God did not do that was by crucifying his own son. He did not bend the rules even though it cost his son his life. This is a fixed, immutable, unchanging principle and we need to keep the same here. How many branches of government do we have? Three. Did you know they got that right out of the Bible? The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Those are our three branches of government in America. The Hebrew prophet thousands of years before gave that. We have separation of church and state. I don't have enough time to cover it today, but I will cover it tonight at the evening service. So there's the teaser. So I want you all to come back, okay? Separation of church and state, just really plain and simple, is an issue of functions. The church has a function. The state has a function. Whose job is it to provide health care to the nation? Starts in the family. But the church, what did Jesus say? Hey, if they're naked, clothe them. If they're sick, what? Feed them, heal them. Where does welfare belong? Who should take care of welfare in the country? 
The government? No, the church. Jesus said, if he needs a coat, give it to him. If he's naked, put some clothes on him. That's your job, church. Health, education, where does education belong? Who should be teaching our children? Precisely. The state shouldn't have to teach your children. The state doesn't have any children. And I've been all over the country, and even in California, the state has never been pregnant. State doesn't have kids. State should not be in charge of education. That is a family jurisdiction. All of these functions, all the way, if we go back to the 1940s, the church pretty much took care of all of them in society. Because of that, we had a biblically based... Again, we've never been perfect. We never will be perfect. But at least we had a biblical viewpoint. that we had, And we had the liberties of our nation. We already discussed that Romans 13 describes God... Or God Government as God's minister. That word translated in the Greek is the same word for the minister of the gospel, just like Pastor Wally. It doesn't put government as less sacred. As a matter of fact, I'll bet you're pretty grateful that the police are here, ready to be called on in case somebody was to walk in the building and harm people. That'd be a pretty holy work of them, wouldn't it? It'd be a pretty sacred work of them, wouldn't it? Yes. Just a different function. Government has a different function. What there's not is a separation between God and government. Who created the church? God. Who created families? Who created us individuals? Who created government? What they want us to believe now is there's a separation between God and government, not church and state. And eventually governments become gods, and I'm going to show you how that happens. But before we do, let's talk about this. Let's say it again. I want you to memorize this. This is the American view of law and government. It's the most important thing you'll learn this morning. Number one, there is a God, yes? Number two, our rights come from Him. Number three, the purpose of civil government is to secure God-given rights. All right, creation or evolution. In America, should we be espousing in our schools and in our halls of justice... Creation or evolution? Absolutely, because the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths that all men are created equal. Remember, you're created in the womb. The minute you have conception, you have the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Not after you're born, before you're born. So, in creation, we're created with equal rights. In evolution, what ends up happening is this. And this is the downfall that many people face. Evolution, well, certain people have evolved more than others, right? So at what point do we evolve into our rights? Real quick analogy of the dangers of this, the slippery slope of this, is if you go back to the 40s and the 30s, Adolf Hitler's Germany. Y'all remember Jesse Owens, right? Really fast runner, Ohio State. We're kind of close to Ohio. You guys love the Buckeyes, right? Oh, okay, you do. It's dangerous doing that. That's right. So Jesse Owens goes over to Germany and he just dusts those racist Aryan runners. I mean, he spanked them. He got four gold medals. Hitler didn't show up to the ceremony. He said, it's not fair to make my people run against those animals. He called blacks animals. They hadn't evolved up to human dignity or decency yet in his mind. Now, if you were a Jew, it was even worse. You were worse than an animal. You didn't have the right to property, for example. Did you know that Hitler moved in and confiscated all the Jews in the areas that he conquered, all of their wealth, all their businesses, all their homes, all their jewelry, even took their gold teeth because they didn't have the right to property. One-third of his war budget was confiscated from Jews. He couldn't have done a third of the things that he did without stealing. They didn't have the right to property. 
Second, they didn't have the right to liberty either. They had to live in ghettos and concentration camps. No liberty because they hadn't evolved yet. Thirdly, they didn't have the right to life, did they? If a Nazi officer shot a Jew, could they go, would they go to jail? No, because no, Jews didn't have the right to life. Again, this is evolution. This concept is very dangerous. That's why in America we put, number one, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal by God. God is the only one that can take a life. This is what ends up happening. This is where I'm going to wind it down to. What ends up happening, and again, I'm just kind of warning. This is a kind of a prophetic message in some regards. And by that I don't mean as a seer, but we kind of should learn from history. We will wind up in one or two camps with our government. And every society throughout history and every society in present day has one of two views of government. The first is going to be the pagan view of government. The basis of that is evolution. The pagan view of government, who is the divine? State. What do they call Pharaoh? A god. What do they call, what do they call Caesar? What do they call Nebuchadnezzar? Come on, you all read your Old Testament, right? And your New Testament? They were God. They were divine. Could you limit Caesar's authority? Hey, I've got a grievance here, Caesar. Can you hear me out? Sure. Off with their head. You can't limit Caesar's authority if you have a pagan view of government. They're going to do what they will do. That's going to lead you to worship them, isn't it? Anybody remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What happened? Worship me or else. Daniel, what happened? Worship me or else. The Apostle Paul, worship me or else. <laughs> Heck, all the apostles, worship me or else. Well, that results in tyranny. It's based off of evolution. That's if we have a pagan view. Thank God that we don't have a pagan view of government in America. We have a biblical view of government that says that God divinely ordained government. He gave it to us for our good, it says in Romans 13. But he limited that authority. And when he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar's, right? He validated government. He said, I created him to protect you. But what did he say in the next phrase? Give to God was God's. And you remember the Apostle Peter saying, well, whether it's right in your eyes or not for us to preach the gospel, you guys can determine that, but we're going to preach the gospel even though you aren't going to sanction it in the state. There comes a time where God and Caesar's desires conflict, at which point we as Christians obey God. Not before then. We don't do this out of rebellion. You know, we don't start tea parties because we want to be anarchists. That's ridiculous. That's as unscriptural and ungodly as the opposite. Because it really exalts us as the person as God. But we need to be cautious. Jesus limited government and that produces patriotism. Now, the best way to understand patriotism is during the 4th of July parades when the veterans come walking by. Do any of you guys throw stuff at them? Do you stay sitting and say, I'm not standing for these guys? No way. Do you guys get upset on April 15th when your taxes that you have to pay go to pay for prosthetic limbs for our veterans returning back from war? To pay for their PTSD counseling? No. You're patriotic, aren't you? You love our veterans. And you know why? Because they have a limited function. Their function is only to secure your God-given rights. They're not shoving health care down your throat. They're not shoving these different schemes and taxes and property right issues and things like that. They're not doing that. They're just saying, where's the bullet? I want to take it because I'm here to protect I'm not here to take. And when government does that within its scope, 
Guess what? We're going to love it. We're going to be patriotic. That's a republic. A republic says that man is below God and God's law. The law rules. That's based on creation again. So keeping that viewpoint in mind, we have this principle that George Washington knew in practice and so did our founders. He said, of all the dispositions and habits that lead to political prosperity, in other words, you want prosperous politics? And as a preacher, this is what I inform, both Republicans and Democrats and whomever else is listening. Listen, it's not about the party, guys. It's about this, religion and morality. Those are indispensable supports. If you all remember Samson, Samson wanted to get his meat hooks on those pillars. Why did he want that? Because if he threw the pillars down, if you remember the story, it would crush everybody in the building. Our pillars in America, George Washington said, are religion and morality. Religion is our beliefs, our doctrine. Morality is our practice of that. Plenty of religions out there that run governments that don't do well because they're not moral. Our morality needs to be tempered. He says, in vain would a man claim tribute to patriotism who would labor to subvert those pillars. So all these organizations seeking to take God out of, take nativity scenes off of the court lawns and off of the city hall buildings. I mean, it's just ridiculous from, all, from a practical standpoint. Do the nativity scenes wake up at midnight and go cause troubles? Like little baby Jesus runs around like Chucky used to? No, come on, that's ridiculous. Or the poor young ladies that were excoriated by a judge for having Bible verses on their banner before a football game. They're exalting the God that gave the liberty to have fun and play sports. George Washington would call those people persecuting those little girls or those city hall things or the murals of Moses or the Ten Commandments monuments. You're not patriots. You're not American. Because you're trying to take down the very things that make America. Now, some people do this through ignorance. That's where we need to educate. Some people, like I experience on pretty routinely, they are diametrically opposed. They know exactly what our foundations are and they're trying to change those things. But it's no different than what any of our friends in the Bible were confronted with. It's called sin. It's called our enemy. He hates liberty. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He hates the Spirit of the Lord. Liberty's source is not in our guns and our military. We just read that in the book of Psalms. It's in the Holy Spirit and our submission to God. Our founders understood that. This woman now will never see her son or possibly her husband or I'm sure it's not her son or her father because he interposed for us. If anybody remembers the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings, remember that? It says, interposed thy precious blood. Jesus did that. He interposed his precious blood. That's what I saw when I became a Christian. I saw Christ blocking me from the wrath of God. And that's when love came in, and faith works by love, and that's what set me on this course. All the way here with no clothes and three different people's stuff on. <laughs> All too small or too big. <laughs> because of Christ's interposition. Our founding fathers knew that. As a matter of fact, there's a statement in the Declaration of Independence. Ah, dang it, I didn't put it up there. They said that they would pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they would put their trust in God in the Declaration because they knew, hey, these guys were rich, wealthy men. Our founders were. Many of them had signed the document. They were doing just fine under British rule. But they realized that idolatry was peeking its head over the horizon, that a pagan view of what government is, and that generations down, we wouldn't be protected from an out-of-control system that thought it would become God. So what they did is they pledged it all on our behalf. They read the scripture verse where, remember when Jesus was uh, at the Last Supper and preceding up? He's about to die, right? 
So his knuckle-headed apostles are arguing over who gets to reign with power. And Jesus said, if you want to be greatest, be what? Servant. And that's diametrically opposed to our philosophy now, especially in America. We've got to be big. We've got to be great. We've got to get big rims, right? We've got to have a new car. We've got to have a new house. We've got to have lots of bling, lots of ice, right? No, that's not what Christ said. He said, be a servant, sacrifice. That's what our veterans did. Our founding fathers gave us the, that very example in the documents. Our ministry travels throughout the, throughout the country, and uh, we teach the curriculum that I shared today. We do it in schools, we do it in churches, we do it in civic groups. We have graduates from our courses in all 50 states. We have chapter leaders in 35 states now. The ones that are white are still states that we're looking for chapter leaders in that will teach on a regular basis. And finally, I wanted to bring it to this. Listen, I, there's plenty of different ways to make money in this world, right? I've got four kids to provide for and things like that. I'm also an account executive for Visa MasterCard. So I do this as a mission and a labor of love. If you all, if the Lord moves you to support us, we have a remnant program. I would be grateful for that support. And I promise you that every single week I will send you an email of a different place throughout America that I take your seed and I plant it into America. Because I believe that America needs to regain a consciousness of where she came from. Would you agree? Yes. And if we can do that, we will see the things that politics can't fix. They're never going to fix. We'll keep getting worse and worse until we bend our knee to the King of Glory. Amen? I can give you my word that I will do that. We will partner in doing that. Whether I lose my clothes or not, I will be there preaching this message. Okay? All throughout the nation. We also have different products that are available in the back too. We have a host kit that allows you to teach it. If you have homeschool students, our curriculum is a civics credit. You need that to graduate for your young son or daughter. Um, and then we also have some novelty items. I forgot my coloring books, but I can ship them to you. Those are for younger kids. Folks, I am grateful for the opportunity. And I'd like to, if, if you don't mind, Pastor Wally, do you mind if I um, pray before we close it up? I'm going to pray out of the book of Psalms because I love the book of Psalms because David was confronted with a lot of things that we're confronted with on a daily basis. We can spiritualize them or we can just take them as practical. In this particular instance, I'm going to pray the practical because this is a big fight. For me to take this message into secular society, guess how many people listen? And let me tell you, it's getting more and more violent, guys. I'm presenting a simple message with truth. And people are getting violent. And it breaks my heart. Because I was that young kid that was all screwed up in the head simply because nobody shared these principal truths with me. And now I'm under attack for those very kids because they've been trained to hate God. They've been trained to say, get out of our lives, God. I'm God. I remember sitting in Teen Challenge. I was sitting in that side corner right there on this side in a small church, about half the size of this, in a downtown church. I grew up Catholic, so I was in a downtown church. And you all know about Pentecostals, right? Whew! I thought these people were crazy. Why is that woman hollering with her hands in the air? Jesus, sit down. That's disrespectful. Why is there people up at the altar crying? Why is that bass player so awesome and that drummer? He was working that double kick like, yeah, I get down with that music. I was sitting there minding my own business. And it was like the building, the roof of the building come off. God took it off. And the eye of Saruman, if you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings, 
beat it down right on me. That was the wrath of God. It was coming for me like a freight train. Because up until that point, I didn't care about God. I didn't care about church. I didn't care about God's Jesus. I was God. I was doing my own thing, and I was doing just fine. I didn't care about my PO. I didn't care about my parents. I didn't care about my principal. It was Jake McCauley's world. And the wrath of God was coming from I knew I was guilty. It was a very spiritual thing. Nobody knew this was happening. Nobody was even preaching to me. No one was saying a sinner's prayer with me. And I struggled for my Bible. I found my Bible. And I said, God, how am I supposed to be saved then? I was frantic. And I flipped open to the book of Acts, which I knew nothing about, and read the story of Paul. And at that point, I saw that Paul could be saved, that Jesus died for his sins. He died for mine. And I said, then I can be saved, right, Lord? And I gave my heart to him sitting right there with nobody even paying attention. It's just me. I saw Christ interpose his blood between me and the wrath of God. And that's why God gave us these principles to abide by. And I intend on bringing it to the nation. Father, we thank you for this morning and I thank you for this opportunity. I feel so scattered, Lord, but you are sovereign. I thank you for the covering over the top of this church. Where, God, your word is exalted, where the praise of the lips of the praise band is to exalt you. Father, where they pray for each other, they do what the scripture commands. Let this be a light and a beacon to, Father, not only this city, but this state and to this nation. I pray you bless the leadership here, Father. Lead them and direct them. And, Father, I want to pray for our nation. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the foundation and the heritage that we have. And you just say, return to it. Return to the old paths wherein the good way is, the book of Jeremiah says. Father, they are increased that trouble me. And King David prayed this, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I will not be afraid, though ten thousands of men set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. I thank you, Father, you are a God that we can depend on. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto thee. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Father, we are your people. And so I pray in Jesus' name, very practically, And we can walk out that blessing and be Christ to the world. And Lord, do the impossible because we're against a million Goliaths, Lord. But with one rock and the anointing of God, you can knock out a giant and the nation can rise up and take its rightful place and restore the foundations for the foundations are destroyed. What shall the righteous do? Lord, give us a rock that we can throw. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Ushers, if you prepare yourselves, we're going to...